You're listening to the Beauty Me podcast, which is all about beauty without the BS. If you're interested in how the worlds of beauty and wellness are intertwined, or you're obsessed with daily rituals of skincare and self-care, or you just want to know the latest when it comes to new beauty, this is for you. I'm your host, Sharice Kenyon. Today's episode is the last Beauty Me podcast of 2020. So I just wanted to take a moment to think about that. It's been, you know, I don't think anyone has had an easy year. It's been so hard on so many levels. Um, but I didn't want this to be uh, let's look back at 2020. It's not that kind of episode. I did think about doing one, but instead I'd much rather share someone that's so fun with you. But I just wanted to just acknowledge and remind ourselves that we made it no matter what happened to you or your loved ones or your work colleagues. If you're sitting there at home or at work listening to me, you know, you made it through 2020. I mean, at this point, we still have two weeks left, but I think you know what I mean. So I just want to say thank you for listening to me. Thank you for choosing to listen and encouraging me. Before I get too gooey, let's just talk about today's guest, Sierra Costa Noble. First of all, how amazing is that surname? As with most discoveries of 2020, I found Sierra on Instagram at Sierra Coiffer. I know I'm not pronouncing it correctly, I do ask her to say it for me in the episode and her French is way better than mine. I can't remember how I found her, but I remember being attracted to these really vibrant colors that she would wear. Very expressive. It wasn't kind of that classic person that works in hair or makeup, you know, that wears a lot of black. She loves her jewelry and, you know, I do too. So I related to what she was sharing, but soon we were chatting quite a lot in the DMs. And that's where I realized that she was actually an American living in Paris, not a Parisian. And that's where we also shared how we were both feeling as creatives with nowhere to go and not much to do during lockdown. In this episode, I wanted to be super nosy and ask Sierra about why she chose to move to Paris. I wanted to find out if her experiences there are similar to what's been shown in the controversial show Emily in Paris. I wanted to find out if growing up the only girl back home in Virginia affected how she expressed herself. And as always, I wanted to know who was the key influence on her and how she saw beauty. And her answer is just so insightful and so beautiful. I think you'll love this because I love chatting to her. Let me know what you think. I open my eyes. Right away, I like sit and ask myself, like, how do I feel? I know it sounds like a very simple thing, but like, I try and the first thing is, how do I feel today? How does my body feel? How does my mind feel? How does my spirit feel? And so that way, whatever I, I feel that I know I'm, that it's not good energy, I can start working on that right away. Because I find when I don't ask myself those questions later on in the day, I'll start doing things or acting a certain way. And it's really because I woke up feeling depressed. I woke up feeling, you know, kind of agitated about something, but you kind of push it away, but it's going to come out at some point anyway. So my first thing, that's it. Yeah, I just think about how I feel. Um, I usually like to go to the bathroom and prepare a glass of water. And when I'm in the after, you know, going to the bathroom, I usually like refresh my face. Um, I'll usually just use like some micellar water and just kind of refresh my face a little bit, put on the essence, and that's it, just like start the day. And then I'll have some water with lemon. 
And then uh, depending on what I have, that's those are like the basics. That's for sure, for sure. And then from there on, what my workday looks like, we'll decide the rest. <laughs> I'm keeping it simple these days. Before, I used to have a crazy morning routine, which is full of tons of things. But I feel that lately I get overwhelmed really easily. Okay. So I say I just focus on simple things like how do you feel? What can you do to counteract your feelings? Take care of your skin, hydrate, and that's it. <laughs> So when you say it was used to be more complicated, did you mean you used to use a lot more products like for your face and everything? Yeah, I used a lot more products and I also had, I also did a lot more things in the morning. I'm a morning person in general, so I wake up very early. So I would wake up, I would, I would journal and then I would meditate and then I would do Bible reading and then I would read a passage of a book and then I would exercise for 30 minutes and then I would take care of my, like a full skincare and body routine and that was every morning. Wow. Now, those are all good things that I love. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. love those things. But because I've noticed I'm going through a period, which I think all of us are kind of going through, where I don't have as much energy, I'm, I'm, I'm even easily fatigued with like self-care things. So I've cut back and said, okay, what's important? Right now, I want to focus on my mental and emotional health, and that's being aware of how I feel, align myself with fear, and then counteract one thing. That's it. One so thing I brought it back. <laughs> yeah. I, it's so funny when you mentioned the whole fatigue thing. It's... We're indoors so much more often. We're not doing like, even if we're popping out for a job, it's not the same level of interaction. But I'm more tired, more tired by simple things. It's like by four o'clock. Well, you know, just forget about it. Yeah, I'm like the day is. Don't ask me to do anything. I'm like, I'm already, I'm already showered for the night and in my pajamas. Like, yeah, you just please. segue from morning <laughs> to yeah. You mentioned micellar water and an essence. Is that literally it when you know you're going to stay okay. inside? So let's get into the skincare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I, about a, no, so about a year and a half ago, I have always been a skincare addict. That's always been my favorite thing. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a hairstylist, but I grew up in a salon. And I, when I, my first few jobs after getting my degree, I worked in spas. I do a lot of luxury spas. So I was very much into skincare. We would swap. And at that point, when I went to school, it was cosmetology school, which mm-hmm. meant you were also a licensed esthetician and a licensed hairstylist. So I started my career actually doing both. And then I chose to only do hair. But skincare is in my thing. So a year, a year and a half ago, I was like, okay, you have way too many products. Like, it is ridiculous the amount of products you have. So I was like, you're, you're not going to buy another product until you use everything. And then you are only, since we a whole year to with everything. And then you're only going to, like, after that, focus on the product simplified things. So usually, honest, what, what I'm using right now is my set of water. I will um, do an oil cleanse if I have more makeup that day. Mm-hmm. If not, I would just do a regular cleanse. And I'm trying out this actually new makeup brand that my friend is launching and it's actually launching this week, this upcoming week. And so she wanted to be a part of the test program. So it's actually a cleanser that is a powder and you add water to it. Cool. It has like little, okay. So I've been using that uh, to cleanse, then I, but I only cleanse in the afternoon or evening. So I would say afternoon, for example, like if I've worked out in the morning or something or early afternoon, then I will re-cleanse my face. Um, but if I have worked out, then I just cleanse and do my night routine in the evening. And in the morning, I just refresh it with some micro water and that in the essence. And then a serum, which a lot of the time, honestly, I just, I have an aloe vera plant. I'm just looking over here. I have an aloe vera plant. And when I tell you that has been the best, like toner, serum, uh, like for dry patches, for like, you know, um, 
even when I have some issues like with sun, I mean, although I'm not going out that much in the winter time, but some, I have very sensitive skin to sun. So if I don't have sunscreen on, if I haven't had time to reapply it, I get bummed and discoloration right away. And yeah, I'm telling you, aloe vera has replaced like three or four products that I've used before. So it's true what they say about aloe vera. Uh, no, I, I love it. And I have like three plants. So I just just keep on. I mean, there's more like there's enough between what I'm cutting and when and growth <laughs> for it to keep happening here. And and then moisturize. Like I live for a good moisturizer um, and sunscreen, and I end with sunscreen. So, so tell me, you know, what are you using right now when it comes to moisturizer and sunscreen? Okay, so I'm using the Sunday Riley. Um, they have a water-based moisturizer. I'm trying to remember the name. Um, I can give it to you afterwards mm-hmm. and add to the credit if you want. But mm-hmm. it is in a little jar and it's blue. And it's like based with like seaweed and that kind of thing. It's like a, a very water base. And so I'm using that because I only need a very small amount. And it seems to really hydrate my face. Okay. And then for sunscreen, I'm using La Roche-Posay. Like it's a French brand. I love it. Yeah. I, I should be their personal marketing person because listen. <laughs> I'm always talking about their products. Their their spray on sunscreen. Yep, got it. Is my absolute favorite. I take that thing with me everywhere. I love this. I can reapply it throughout the day because I wear sunscreen every day. Um, and they also have their Cicaplast with scent with uh, with fifty um has fifty SPF in it. And so I will use that, but I don't use it every day because my esthetician is like this is not a product. That's supposed to be used every day. It's a okay. reconstruction, reconstructing product. So you should be using that, for example, after you've done like a exfoliant, um, if you decided to use some vitamin C or like some kind of some, some kind of chemical retinol or something like that, okay. like repair your skin, or if you've been in the sun, or if you just feel like you're getting bumps or something, but it is not an everyday thing because your body your body will get used to it and it won't work on oh, repairing. Right. So that I add sense. that in like once or twice a week. Okay. Cool. I thought I had less thing. <laughs> no one says I have a simple skincare. I just went on for like <laughs> So obviously, you know, your Instagram handle is um you better say it for me actually, in the French accent. Oh, Sierra Coiffure. Yeah, so you're you're all about hair. Where <laughs> yes. does your hair fit in? Like are you someone that are you one of those people that it's all about the people you're working on, so you tend to leave your hair alone for most of the week, or do you have a daily routine for your hair? Oh no, I'm very much about myself too. That's what my that's what my, my first love with hair is honestly with myself. <laughs> uh, I like transforming, and I like I like playing around and feeling like a different woman uh, several days a week. And so that is what doing my hair feels like to me. I love testing out products. I mean, today I actually have a conditioner, and so I've just flipped it back and have a little head start going while let my conditioner bake. But I love testing out new products. I usually lately because I'm not out and living a real life. I have been just doing a lot of like fancy knot outs, a lot of some twist outs. Um, I'll blow my hair out maybe once a month. And not only blow it out as like a straight blowout, mm-hmm. just I kind of stretch it. And um, and I'll like give myself a little trim. And then from there, I would like to do textured hairstyles on my straight, on my stretched up hair. So I'll kind of do like flat twist or and things. And that gives it the same texture, but just a little bit more elongated. Those are usually my go-tos. I, I don't really do straightened hair that often, not because I'm against it, but just I just don't feel as beautiful to be honest with straight hair. I feel more beautiful when I have some kind of texture. Mm, I love texture. Yeah. I loved what you did the other day. You put these beautiful little clips 
I don't know where you got oh, them from. Yes. It's so gorgeous. Girl, I love hair accessory. Listen, if there's a moment to accessorize, like I like glitz and glam. I've always been drawn drawn to things that sparkle, glitz, glam, like really, you know, that's why I feel like I'm like, oh, I, the life I deserve is like a really rich life because I, I have expensive, just I'm drawn towards expensive, like looking things. You're my, you're my, <laughs> you're my twin. This is what I've been saying. <laughs> I always say to my husband, I don't think you realize when I'm saying I want to be good, I'm like rich, good, wearing gold and yes. head wraps and caftans and, you know, glam all 24-7. Yeah, yeah, that's the life that I deserve. That's in, my, in my mind, that's what I tell myself, like, this is what I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we're talking about, you know, the Sierra of 2020, but I, I want to go back to your mm-hmm. first memories of beauty being this thing that you could play with like was it your mom was it um, another friend of the family was it tv it was definitely my grandmother so my mother's um mother she was the epitome of beauty i mean she's unfortunately she's passed away now um the the um the picture on the wall behind me uh the painting is actually named after her um the beautiful very dark-skinned woman with a head wrap and she just sunny and she reminds me so much about my grandma my grandma was very dark skin with the most beautiful skin um and i grew up like watching her take care of her skin morning and night i watched her put her make she she um sold makeup for mary Kay. i don't know if you know like mary Kay was like i think they still this but like back in the day yeah, when yeah. all the women were selling mary Kay. <laughs> and so she sold mary Kay makeup and um wore mary Kay makeup and um yeah, she 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 dressed up for every single occasion. I remember I remember even as a small child, like I was like, oh, we're gonna go check the mail, and then I'm like, okay, let's go. And, and then like 30 minutes later, she's still <laughs> with my grandmother, and she comes out and she's like glitz and glam. I mean, full on dress, like floor length dress with like color, you know, earrings, full face of makeup and jewelry. And I'm like, but I thought we were going to the mailbox. But like, yeah, you never know who you're gonna. You see. don't mean the mailbox <laughs> at the end of the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, my I have four brothers. I'm the only girl, and my brothers would be so embarrassed going places with my grandmother. Uh, she was always dressed up like she was going somewhere really special, and like we would go be going to Walmart so like the Seven Eleven, you know, or the pharmacy. <laughs> but she was all, and I loved it. To me, that was the first time that I realized what beauty felt and looked like to me. It looked like taking care of yourself. I watched her consistently take care of herself. That was my, my the door to skincare is because my mother wasn't that kind of mother. My mother wasn't really into skincare or makeup or or like clothes shopping, but my grandmother was. And just watching her, you know, kind of like pour into herself and watching how it lifted her mood to put on makeup and to dress up and put on her jewelry and step out and not wait for a specific, specific occasion to dress up. Uh, yeah, that taught me a lot. That was my interest in beauty. And I think about that, that, that moment really often because I noticed as I've gotten older speaking with women that a lot of their kind of beauty things kind of came more so from the TV or for someone who didn't look like them. And I feel very fortunate that, because I mean, my whole life, I've always wanted to be dark. Like, I've always been like, oh my God, I want to have like really dark. Because of my grandmother, because I saw how beautiful her skin was. Like, she didn't even have to wear makeup, but she would. And it would just be just an extra, like, you know, take us to the next level kind of thing. And I wanted to be like her and be like her was 
someone darker, you know. So I grew up, I feel very fortunate that I grew up that I had a, um, a beautiful, dark-skinned woman who opened me to beauty. And so it wasn't connected to money. It wasn't connected to lightness. It wasn't connected to whiteness. And, um, yeah, I, I noticed with time that that's not everyone else's beautiful beauty story. It's funny how it seemed to have skipped a generation. So you're saying your mum didn't really have the same interest, but do you think you can guess at what that gave your grandmother? Like, I, I don't know what year that would have been, but do you think back then it would have been self-care or was it just, this is what you do when you leave the house? I think that there's definitely a mix because some of the discussions that, I mean, she's passed away now, some of the discussions that we had, because we, we spoke about, you know, beauty all the time. Um, it was a mix of, of her, of her giving herself the love that she didn't receive in life. And so my grandmother, although very dark skinned, was a mixed race. So her mother being Ethiopian, very dark skinned, and then her father being white. But at that period, you know, in history, if you had, if you could trace any blackness in your, your lineage, yeah, then you were black. black. But he was very much a white man who his like great grandparents, like great grandparent was black. So he was very white, blonde, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, the whole thing. Um, and so they had 12 children. My grandmother was, uh, only her and her brother came out dark skin. Everybody else came out all different shades, but everyone pretty, and I mean, pretty much my complexion in lighter and different color eyes and different color hair and I mean, all the different things you could do. And so she, it was hard. It was really hard for her at school and life, getting a job, getting men. Um, and, and she was just kind of, she was conscious. Kind of, she always felt that she was always had to prove her beauty. You know, she needs to be because she was dark skinned and because she had, you know, pinky hair. She had to be like always at a hundred. There was no, there was no space to even be like a little bit less than. And she would say, you know, my my, my sisters can go out with like wet hair sometimes, or they can go out with the dress not perfect, but if it's me, oh no, you know, it, it's a problem. And so I, she said, you know, she learned that early on of like making sure that she was pretty much perfect all the time. And then it became like a, a love note for herself. You know, like, this is me taking care of me. This is this is me telling myself, you are beautiful. You are worthy. You do have nice things. You have beautiful skin. You know, you have this, you have that. So I think it was, it, I, I know that her history with her brother and sister and the time period they lived in played a really large role in her self-esteem and how she, the things that she felt she needed to do to fit into society. But she also really loved those things at the same time. She sounds like she knew herself so well. But as you say, that was obviously a journey for her to to get to that point. She had to do it for herself. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I try to imagine, you know, in, um, because like you said, it's always so important and so many dark skinned women are still, you know, having a hard time seeing themselves, seeing the beauty in themselves. And so I can only imagine, you know, my grandmother's situation. I can only imagine coming from a mixed race couple and not looking mixed from what people think. Like, oh, we yeah, know yeah. as black women that there's not a look from mixed. You can come out looking like so different. Um, but to the world, there's this idea of what a mixed race child looks like. Mm -hmm. And when you come out dark, people tend to look at you a certain way. And people tend to, and especially when all your other siblings are like, it uh there it creates the separation automatically and, and it creates that, you know, your sister's always getting complimented saying how beautiful they are and how beautiful their hair their hair is and how beautiful their skin is and you don't get that. So yeah. 
it, you know, all of that kind of entrenched for so long. Yeah. But I really applaud her because, you know, and she she may not even have known the impact of her showing me how much she loved herself and she, you know, really, mm. I think with action, loving herself, how that's impacted me even years later. And that will impact the child that I, w- I will have at some point as well. So, yeah. you know, it may have been a long journey to get there, but it's definitely a journey that I appreciate. Let's go a little bit further. When did okay. you start experimenting with your own look? Oh, gosh. Very young. Okay, so I had very long hair growing up. And so I had already decided at like seven that I was over this. And I was I begged my mother to cut my hair. I, like, I want to have a bob. I want to have a bob. I wanted a bob. At seven, <laughs> at seven you wanted a bob. Who, who bob. gave you that like, idea? No, no, Where no. Where did you see that? Cutting your hair. We're not doing that. No. So what I would do is I would wake up every morning for school and I had gotten these bobby pins and I would like roll my hair under. And I think everybody has, <laughs> I would roll my hair and create a bob. Okay. And every single like week I would like a very few strands in the front, just like a little bit, you know, so it would look more, I was, it would look more like a bob if this was like layered, you know, if this was shorter than it would look like <laughs> So, I mean, at some point, my mom noticed. She was like, did you, did you cut some pieces of it? No, no. <laughs> and so since my mom didn't actually do my hair, so what I say by that is um, I was just on every single Saturday because my mother just did not really know how to do hair. Like, she didn't even know how to braid. So, so I would go every Saturday, get my hair washed, conditioned, whatever style for the week. And then my mom would, like, upkeep that. But she didn't really know how to actually do my hair. So right away, I guess I had the kind of this liberty to kind of, if I wanted to plan my hair, I can kind of plan my hair. Because it's like, well, I mean, I'm not doing it. We'll move it to salon Saturday, so no big deal. Yeah, so my first start was, you know, was already really young. I was like, I knew I wanted to have some shorter hair. I felt like I, I felt more me with shorter hair, which I still feel that way today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's just It just amazes you that you can say as a seven-year-old, a seven-year-old feeling more herself. That's pretty cool. <laughs> about myself you know I have four brothers there was no one else liking me in the house so right. I was just like sitting in my room thinking about me <laughs> so <laughs> escaping from the boys <laughs> because you were pretty much surrounded by testosterone do you feel that made you want to be more girly or did it push were you ever a tomboy Oh, yeah, I was very much a tomboy. Now, as much as I was interested in my hair, I was not interested in anything else. For me, my hair didn't necessarily mean girly things. It just meant, like, this is my hair and I want it to be different. It, it didn't, I didn't take it any further in my thought of, like, oh, girls do hair, girls are interested in changing their hair. I was like, I don't want to have long hair. That's it. Right. Um, but uh, when it came to everything else, oh, I was such a tomboy. I mean, you know, it's funny because when my family, like, Sees me. They have moments sometimes where they're like, I just can't believe how girly you are. Because I'm so girly now. Like, so girly. But I was so tomboy. I mean, I was the person like leading climbing the trees on a regular basis. I mean, I was like, I, I can't tell you how many I was always competing with the boys. I was always fighting physically with the boys. I was a rough, tough kind of girl. Really, really a rough, tough kind of girl. I was the one who was the sister where, like, I would hear someone speaking about the brother, the older brother, and I would, like, go and beat them up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was very rough, tough. I was very much declining trees. I was not in dresses. I mean, my mom would force me to, I would have to do my dress, you know, at least once a week for church. But I didn't, yeah, I wasn't that. And what changed that for me was working at the salon. So I started working at the hair salon and at 14 as like a shampoo assistant. 
and I was still kind of boyish, but I like was a little bit, my mom would buy me like cute tops and things. So I was a little bit less like shield boy. And uh, yeah, I started seeing how girls were getting attention. Like I, I noticed when I was at the salon because there was a barber there. So there was a barber station and there was like the regular, the regular salon station. So there were like, obviously, you know, both sexes coming in and out. And I, I, for the first time in my life, I kind of noticed how boys look at girls and I noticed what those girls look like. And I was like, oh, maybe I should like, maybe I should, I should try it out. It, it wasn't any deeper really than that other than I was, I just noticed that those boys looked at them differently than how the boys looked at me, would look at me more like I'm kind of part of the team thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I wonder if I could look like that. And so I started kind of like testing out skirts and dresses and like cute shoes. And then my mom allowed me to cut my hair when I was 16. And that's really when it went all, like, everything. From the moment I cut my hair, then I was, like, ready to, like, full-fledged <laughs> female. And then from that, I never went back. I just never went back to the point where I just bought my first pair of jeans last week. Like, never went back. Like, I don't wear <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I don't really wear jeans. I'm, like, I'm not really, like, a tennis shoe person. Like, I'm pretty much always in a dress and a skirt. I love jewelry. I love skincare. I love hair. Like, I'm really, really brilliant now, but. That, that's the story. That is a strange thing to hear from me because um for for me because um throughout lockdown everyone's like why are you wearing jeans why are you wearing jeans like <laughs> and you bought your first pair in years during lockdown that's just crazy. Like, you know, maybe at thirty two I should try some jeans. <laughs> I don't know if I'm sold yet. Like I plan on wearing some beautiful like green silk wrap dress yeah. over the jeans. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> to I can yeah. up a bit. Yeah, I can see that because that's the thing. I remember, I don't know how I first found you on Instagram, but I just found, obviously I loved the hair that you create, but I just loved your style because it was so feminine in the sense of you'll wear the dresses and the jewelry. Like there's not, it's not like understated. It's like beautiful color, beautiful details, like as much as you can, like up to the max. And you don't always see that. Um, you know, a lot of people are into minimalism and stuff, and I'm like, no, yeah. more, more, like Hollywood, more, you know. Oh yeah, the life we deserve, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you grow up? Because obviously, you live in Paris now, but where did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, which is right outside of DC. So, um, I should say DC to who don't who are not aware of the DMV area, but yeah, that's where I grew up. And then I went to the university in West Virginia. I went to Shepherd University. And then from university, I moved to Paris. Um, I did my last year of university here in Paris, and I stayed. So tell me, what made you fall in love with Paris? I met a man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my first trip, my first trip is all dedicated to my sister, best friend, um, who she came to school. She's a uh, she's Ivorian, and so you know she's from our French family, French African family. And so she came to to Paris to do some of her studies, and I came to visit her, and that was my first time in Paris. And I was with her and her family, so I feel like I had a really, a very real Paris experience the first time, because I was with someone I knew and their family, and we were doing like real things. But I was just really impressed with how laid back and how different the culture was, the architecture. It just was a completely different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I was like, gosh. I want to come back here and stay for like six months, maybe like a year or a two months. And I and I did. And so I, for my, so I, I organized that for my last year of undergrad. 
and I met my now husband the first week that I moved here. So, wow, yeah, that, that's how. So that's how it became like a real pair story. Yeah, that's what I want more of because um, I came across this YouTube that was all about the low key racism in Emily in Paris, and I was like, what? And it was mm-hmm. um basically aimed. There was a lot of negativity about Emily, the character, as an American, um, mm-hmm. acting as if Parisians are bad manners, lazy, all these diff- different negative connotations. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe I'll leave it for a bit. But have, have you watched it at all? I have watched it. I have watched it. I have a lot of opinions about it. <laughs> okay, tell me as someone that is Sierra in Paris, like, did they get it right? They okay, so I mean, it, it is obviously a TV, you know, series. So of course, things are going to be embellished and a little added on because that's going to give the thrill of it. Uh, I think the things, I mean, so I enjoyed it as as a whole. I'll start with that as a whole. I just like a sit back, you know, chill kind of series. You don't you don't have to actually use your mind to watch. Um, <laughs> it was good. It was good. Just good. But uh, my issues were I am tired of every time it is there's an American in another in another country learning about another culture. She's always white. She's always white, and that bothers me because this impression that white the people who have an opportunity to go to Paris to get these jobs, or people who can be in Italy for a summer, or all these people, they always look the same. They always look just like you know. I think her girl name is like Lily. It's Lily. They they often look like Lily and. It really actually doesn't represent that because I have been in Paris and I have met a lot of American expats that have moved here for work or for schooling. And I can guarantee you, like, most of them actually are not white. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of them are Asian. A lot of them are Latinos, like Latinx. A lot of them are, I think it would have been nice to see, personally, someone non-white fulfilling, fulfilling that role. Like, how many movies have we seen? And how many, you know, comedies or whatever, how many things have we seen mm. with an American in another country visiting? Like even when they're living in Africa, they're always white. <laughs> it, I think it, it would be nice. Like they're all like you can name. I mean, I've gone through because I, I put a lot of thought into this, and I was like, let me like do a little research. Okay. And it's like it's, you know, uh, adventure, you know, romantic movies, American, and they they are literally always white. They may have a different hair color, blonde, redhead, brunette, but they're pretty much always white. So that kind of bothered me because I just thought with the times that we're in and because I feel like movies are being a bit more open with the, with extending the viewpoint of a role. I thought that maybe it would have, it would have been a different character, not necessarily even black, just like somebody (laughs) (laughs) non-white. French people have really taken that leap too. And French people and I call them the, the the French Francophiles, but the the non-real French Francophiles. Because you have the ones who only want to believe in the Paris that they see on TV. And if you have any intelligence at all and you have stepped off the foot, like just step one foot off the plane <laughs> in Paris, you realize that it's nothing like It's not just croissant, you know. Yeah, like it's not that <laughs> way. But there are people who only want to believe that Paris is a certain way and that Paris is very white, very thin, very brunette. Very and it's dyed, not. Very it's very not. And very like so heels and all black and and, and <laughs> lingerie and like it's just like that's really not what Paris is. But like, but for before a, a TV series for it to be interesting, I understand that there has to be embellishment. Um, but what the issue for me, secondly, was like French people think that they're not that way. Now there were some things that are a little bit more forced in the way of their acting. 
there's obviously. But my experience as an American, and even now as an American who speaks French like me fluently, like the point people don't remember as an American most of the time, who speaks French really fluently and has for quite some time, I picked the language very fast, like, French people are not nice people. <laughs> and it's not necessary towards Americans in general. Like, they're not nice towards anybody. So it's not a specific, like, we hate Americans. We just don't, we just don't like people. That's it. Like, we're not nice to anybody. We're not nice to our own people. We're not nice to those people. We're not nice to anybody. Oh God! <laughs> I just have to be honest. Like they're just, they're just, they're, they are, they, they, like how they were acting, really kind of just uppity and just all of the, all the, a lot of the traits that you saw are very much the traits that I am still dealing, things I'm still dealing with, and that is after assimilating and rooted into the culture and even marrying into the culture and all that. Um, and those are things I dealt with my first move here. And they haven't really, like, French people kind of, the ones who don't act that way are the ones who have all traveled, who who speak several languages, who are maybe married outside of their race. Those French, that's a new, newer generation, and they don't act that way. But unfortunately, that is not a very large percentage of the French. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning things today. I've been a few times myself, but you just putting it out there like that, I'm like, Okay, do I keep that in or not? <laughs> it may make people upset, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah, and that's your personal I have, experience. No, I have a, and with all that saying, I have a love for them. Like, in, even the, the 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 parts that I don't like, there's still some things in there that I like about the things that I don't like. But <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I have to call it how it is. Y'all not nice. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did want to talk about, seeing as we're on the the subject of Paris, um, a while back yeah. I had makeup artist Yassine Diallo, who is French, a black French woman mm-hmm. who lives in New York. And we would often talk uh-huh. about the difference she's, differences she's encountered. So I wanted to know when it comes to, I think I mentioned it to her, there's always been the, the, that Parisian girl, mm-hmm. you know the look, so she yeah. can barely their makeup. and But yet, so it's, it's so classic. And she was like, no, I don't think it's really there anymore. But what do you think? Have you changed in any way since you, have you changed how you approach beauty, etc. since you moved to Paris? Paris has taught me to be more simple with my beauty routine. You know, I, with my, my, and I can't speak for all French women, but with the, with the French women who are my friends and who are my clients, I've noticed that like they have their esthetician or their dermatologist and they have their specific products and they're not jumping and bouncing around to different products. That's something that I've, I have definitely taken from French women. Like they're, they're not a, an American tech consumer where they're just hopping on every new product. Like French women just usually don't even like, they're like, I've got this, I'm sticking to it. I'm not changing it. Like I may be on using this for the next like five, <laughs> 10, 15 years. But I like it though. I like it. You know, I, I, think I really like that a lot. I would say as well, um, I've definitely gotten some more, you know, um, French skincare brands because they are easily accessible here and they work so well. And I'm, I am a fan of French skincare brands. The the rules and regulations to be able to for, for skincare brands are just so apart. Like if they're really, really well, I, I mean, everything about it is just, it's, it's um, I mean, obviously they're, they're sold only in pharmacies. So the same things, it's same with your medicine, the same protocol your medicine goes through, all of your skincare has to go through before it's so it's just from that shelf. And so uh, I think I like to look at the ingredients and things. You just feel really reassured yeah. knowing you're using something 
that has passed all of these laws and that it's just as good quality as whatever medication that your 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 doctor may tell you to be taking. When it comes mm-hmm. to time, have you taken any extra time for yourself during lockdown? Have you found like new little things that you like to do for yourself? Well, yes, lighting candles in the evening. I call it like romancing myself. You know, kind of trying to stay away from artificial lighting. So mm-hmm. I will, you know, have all my candles and as soon as it starts getting dark, which is obviously very early now. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts so early now. So like already at four thirty I have like all my candles lit. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. But yeah, I I'll, I will try not to put on any any lights or anything. I will just light my candles and just live by candlelight until I'm ready to go to bed. And it sounds so, so simple and I actually got the idea from a podcast um that I was listening to where they were kind of speak, a doctor was speaking about, you know, the effects of artificial light. Mm. And uh, just very shortly, he was explaining, you know, that, you know, we, we, we woke up, we would wake up by natural light. And then we, and then sleeping, with, we would go to sleep kind of by like a candle, mm. candlelight, because mm-hmm. we would live by candlelight in the evening, because that's how you cook. And, and people just didn't over you. And even if there were some kind of, there was artificial lighting, it was like oil lighting, or, mm. which replicate, you know, it's going to replicate, obviously, natural light. Yeah. And so he was saying that over the year, that year as a doctor, he's been studying the effects uh, of artificial lighting on the brain and the body. And I mean, basically, you know, every every health issue you can think of has a little bit of a connection to the to the, the intake of so mm-hmm. much artificial lighting. And I have noticed a difference. It's so calming to live by candlelight in the evening. I feel like I'm romancing myself, which I really enjoy the idea of women sitting down and being like. I'm romancing myself. You know, I, I feel like even as a married woman, I know you're married. As a married woman, I, I just feel like it's not only a man's job to romance me. Like, it's no. my job to romance myself. Yeah. Because if you don't do it for yourself, it doesn't matter what he does, really, because you, you're probably not going to be interested. It's like... It's... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, you need to continue, like, that relationship with yourself. Like, let me romance myself. And I have time. So the candles, I like taking baths with Epsom salt. Um, I like doing some stretches, so I'll do like a mini Pilates type. I'm more into Pilates and things that make nature now because mm. I'm I'm done with jumping up and down, burpees, <laughs> and like killing myself. I'm done with it, girl. Burpees. You have no man. idea. I'm like I cannot take that kind of stress in my life. There's enough going on. I'm not stressing my, my myself that way. Right. I loved how you said in the morning you ask yourself how you are, and mm-hmm. for me. I'll try and do the journaling, but that's like, you've got to get out of the bed. You've got to find the book and the pen. It almost makes more sense to do what you do, which is just like sit up and just talk to yourself for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because you can wake up down. I don't know. (laughs) And it sucks, you know, but if you don't ask yourself. I'll say it sometimes. I don't know why I'm in this mood, but maybe if I ask myself while I'm still in the bed and acknowledge that it's okay but, you know, we, we have to get out of the bed and we have certain things to do today. Do you know what I mean? It's like you need that, like, romancing yourself, talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. That brings me to my second to last question, really, which is also about yourself. But when do you feel the most you? I feel, okay, I feel the most of me at home, if I have to be honest, Um because my home is really my safe haven. It's it's a very loving, cozy, artsy yeah, <laughs> plan. <I see. laughs> it's, it's a very you know that's that's my my so I feel that I feel most comfortable when I have like taken a, an essence salt bath and like my candles are already lit here. I feel so amazed. Like I've taken my essence salt bath. 
my hair is like in fancy knots or like in some mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, some style where I, I get, I'm going to figure out tomorrow and have fabulous hair style. Um, and it's just like all marinating and cooking. And when I have um, exfoliated and like out, I, I like to like exfoliate and do like a whole bunch of skincare and then take my bath so I can just like enjoy it. And then I'll add baby oil to my bath. So when I get out of the bath, I'm like just blessing, you know. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> that moment of just glistening, feeling beautiful, having some like good music on and the candles, I feel so like me. I'm like, this, this is me. This is me, like surrounded by love and beauty, surrounded by, you know, comfort and surrounded by like just what I call beauty is like when I feel, you know, that like my skin is well taken care of, like everything's all, you know, glistening. Yeah. So do you correlate, because I used to, on this podcast, I used to have my last question as, when do you feel most beautiful? And I, over time, mm-hmm. I've decided to change it because I realized that some people felt discomfort in answering it. Some, not everybody does feel beautiful and that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like, and also when I would have male guests, I was like, how do I reframe it? Or someone will be happy to say they feel beautiful. So I felt like it was too much of a label, but do you feel like the beauty correlates? You mentioned the word comfortable. Do you think mm-hmm. those two work together? Yes, I think feeling most to you when I when I heard that conversation, when I heard that question, what what it translates to me is feeling most to you is like when do you feel most comfortable with who you really are? And to me, obviously, there's a mental and an emotional side of that, um, which that's why I think it correlates like when I'm in a relaxing type environment or mood, which my home is relaxing, the bath is relaxing, candles relaxing. That's when I feel more my most organic need because there isn't the stress of feeling like I need to be anything other. And then taking care of beauty to me, beauty is a lot of it's a lot of like how I feel and who I am. You know, if I if I'm having a really bad day because I don't feel pretty that day, or because my skin is like acting up, uh, it's it, it's true. It affects my mood. I'm I'm, I'm it just may be <laughs> superficial, but it does affect my mood. So when all those things are together, I feel like okay, this is me. <laughs> okay it is the final question now you know you've got your instagram following and your clients everybody knows a piece of sierra but what do you think what's the thing you would like people to know that they might not already know about you so they may not know (laughs) okay this is something that they may not know so i have some serious hearing issues uh so i had surgery when i was nine and uh, and I, I lost a lot of my hearing after that. Uh, and uh, but then it a little bit came back. And so as an, a, a grown adult, a lot of people are like, you know, she speaks really loud. Or <laughs> but I actually have I actually have real hearing issues. Too. Uh. Yeah, no, I actually have real hearing issues. And so that is something that I don't think you know. Uh, and I actually may have to get a hearing aid soon. So I, that's something I think that no one really knows. And uh, it's kind of a little bit of a handicap, but I've made it work. You clearly have. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you sharing it's that. It's an odd thing, but I think it's, it's, a, it's a vulnerable subject for me. I mean, it's something that I don't talk about that often. But mm. I think that uh, this, if this year has taught me anything, it's opening up more and being a bit more vulnerable has actually led to some really beautiful relationships and some beautiful spirit connecting moments. So, voila. That's mine. <laughs> I love that. I, like, I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm pretty sure even if one person appreciates that because they could be going through the same thing, then 
it's worthwhile you sharing these things because it's easy to feel I'm not going to share that because I don't want X, Y, Z to think this of me. But mm-hmm. it does help when you re- when you share something. There's always going to be someone else that can relate to that. So thank Absolutely. you. And thanks for throwing in a little voila in there. I was like, yes, <laughs> I should make you do the trailer in French. <laughs> thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Beauty Me Podcast and feel free to slide into the DMs. Do please like, subscribe and review. It really helps Beauty Me be seen. 